Hello, and welcome to Off the Fence, a podcast where we deconstruct difficult decision-making so we can discover what keeps us stuck, and more importantly, how we can get unstuck and start making even tough decisions with confidence. I'm your host, Karen Covey, a former divorce lawyer, mediator, and arbitrator turned coach, author, and entrepreneur. With me today is Denise Fitzpatrick. Denise is a licensed professional counselor turned marriage coach and mentor. She's passionate about saving marriages and keeping families together. Through private coaching, she empowers professional midlife married women and married couples to eliminate painful relationship patterns and master conscious communication so that they can create the marriage of their dreams. And that sounds absolutely wonderful and like something everyone would want. So Denise, welcome to the show. Thank you, Karen. Thanks so much for having me. I am so excited to have you. And I want to jump right in right away and ask the question that I've been dying to ask, which is, what is the difference between a marriage coach and a marriage counselor, a marriage therapist? Great question. Everybody wants to know that. And so really, the biggest difference is the approach to helping people. Uh, My experience as a licensed professional counselor and doing therapy was a lot of people want a, a place where they can talk about their problems and they can I want to say vent because, yes, there is a component of venting, right? Mm -hmm. So they want to say split a safe space to kind of unload, if you will, and be held and be supported and have empathy and compassion, which are all super important. However, if you're a married couple and you're in a really tough place and your marriage is struggling and you might even be hanging by a thread, You need something more than just a place to unload and vent about what's going on. You need a a focused forward path and something solution oriented, right? And my sense and my experience is therapy doesn't provide that for couples. And the problem is a lot of therapists aren't trained in couples therapy per se. And it's a very different skill set than doing individual counseling. And unfortunately, the average consumer doesn't understand that, right? So they may go to a therapist that's not uh, skilled in helping couples and find themselves getting worse and then thinking, oh, we must be really bad if the therapist can't help us. Like, And then they end up you know, probably pursuing the path of divorce when in fact, if they had worked with somebody that was skilled in helping couples, then chances are they could have put their marriage back on a on a different path forward. So what I hear you saying is that a lot of it, the, the therapist you choose, the skill of the therapist you choose to do your marriage counseling or marriage therapy, I, I don't know what the right word is, um, but that makes a huge difference. Absolutely. And and you could say marriage therapist, marriage counselor. Um, it doesn't really, I mean, okay, they're one in the same. Um, but I guess, you know, to answer your previous question too, is so what does coaching look like? Coaching is much more about uh identifying what is the problem, what do you want your marriage to look like, and being really clear on that um desire, like because many people stay so stuck in the problem for so long 
that they don't even know what they want or what their marriage would look like if it was different. So in coaching, at least the process that I use with clients is we identify what does that look like? And then we map out the steps, the things that they each need to do differently in order to bring that, the kind of marriage they want, make that their reality. That is, you know what, that's fascinating because I hear from a lot of the people that I work with who come to me and they say, we've tried counseling, we've tried marriage therapy, we've tried it X number of times, it just doesn't work, right? Mm -hmm. And I've always wondered why, what is it that... So what my thesis was, and I could I could be wrong, I'm kind of rethinking this listening to you, um, is that by the time people go to marriage counseling, their problems are so big that they're unresolvable or, you know, they're really so far down the path that it's hard to, you know, drag yourself back. Is that a factor too? Or am I just like way off base? I think that's absolutely a factor. Um, there's a couple things that happen, right? So sometimes there's one person that's leaning out way more out. The other person's kind of leaning in. You've probably experienced that. Yep. And so the the leaning out partner may say, okay, well, we'll try therapy. And it's sort of this like last, last ditch effort, but it's also the leaning out partner being like, well, we tried, right? So it's kind of just justifying that this in fact isn't going to work. Um, so I think there's a lot of that. And I think the other part of that, like going back to what I was saying before, there are a lot of therapists that aren't skilled in working with couples. And I've seen that in my own practice where I've had many of my clients who have met with therapists before, um, and, and not had great experiences. And then they find me and they can see from my website and everything that I write about that I have a very different approach. I'm not, you know, they see coach, they're not quite sure what that is, but then they read all my stuff and they're like, oh, that's very different. And so they'll come to me and explain like we did therapy and it didn't work. And then because I have a plan and I have a process to help people, it works. That is so fascinating because one of the complaints that I hear from people who have been through marriage counseling is that they don't want to go again because they don't want to just agonize over the problem over and over and over. And I've had clients say to me, I just can't sit there for another hour and get beat up over all the things that are wrong. We end up leaving feeling worse. Yes. Right? Yeah. So I have two things to say about that. One is, yes, again, if you don't have um, a skilled counselor that knows how to um, sort of mediate that stuff, and it's different than mediating, it's like teaching your clients how to communicate differently about the problems. Unfortunately, what happens is people get into therapy and they're just trying to problem solve, they're trying to deal with the fight of the week or the particular issue, but the content matters less than the process. And so if the therapist is only trying to mediate the fight of the week and they never actually learn the skills to have a better conversation, then of course, it's just going to keep repeating itself. That makes so much sense, right? So that it, it sounds like what you do in your work is you go deeper, into not what are you fighting about? Because I find this so many times, even in the context of divorce, when people are trying to 
settle a case and they both want like the same thing, like they both want the house, for example, or they both want something in the house or the car or the whatever it is, right? And they get into this fight that looks like it's about the thing, but it's not about that thing. Right. I mean, once you dig down, you realize it that there's so much more on, emo- on an emotional level that's going on. Right. And that until you get to that deeper level, you can't really solve the problem. Right. And, and that's, it's never about the thing, just like you said, right. It's that sort of represents, like you say, sort of what's under that, what's deeper, right. Whether it's not feeling loved, not feeling appreciated, feeling unheard, like all of those things that happen that, you know, you you keep repeating the same arguments, those resentments, those, um, the anger just builds and creates walls between people. So unless you, get to that and teach people the skills they need to handle these disagreements effectively, then yeah, they, they're just going to go around in circles. Yeah. And that's, I want to follow up on something you said that, you know, when people build the walls between them, right. Mm -hmm. And then the walls just grow and grow and grow. And a lot of people, they talk about this idea of there being a point of no return. Like after you've gotten to a certain place, it's just it's over, right? Mm -hmm. What do you think about that? Is that a real thing? I think it is a real thing, like for for some people. And I'm not going to say like every situation can be resolved because the thing is at that point, if somebody is truly decided and they are just, but so this, you know, I guess there's two different things. There's decided like I'm leaving because I no longer want this. I want something different. Mm-hmm. but I'm not doing it from a place of it's all this, this per- it's all my partner's fault, right? That's very different than I'm, I'm leaving because I'm angry at my partner. They're the reason I'm so unhappy. And I'm, once I leave this relationship, I'll be happy. Right. So it's, it's like two different mindsets. If you do the, the personal work of like growing and evolving yourself and then from a, from a clear mind, without anger, without blame, you decide this is not the relationship I want, right? Then yes, there's no, there's no turning back. They've decided, but they're moving on in a good way, right? Yeah. So it sounds like in both of those situations that you just mentioned, a, one person's, at least one person has made a decision, but the mindset around the decision is the differentiating factor. Is that Mm -hmm. in your experience? So it it all comes down to the mindset behind the decision or am I not getting this right? No, mindset absolutely matters because I think for those that leave because they're angry and blaming their partner and they think they're going to be happy in another relationship, actually take that whatever work they haven't done on themselves and bring that to a new relationship, right? So as a divorce attorney, you know that, So 50% of marriages end in divorce, a higher percentage of second time marriages end in divorce. So I think that's a clear indication that people aren't actually, right? They think the solution is a new relationship and it's not. It's not. A hundred percent. So like I always tell my clients when they're going through a divorce, go get individual therapy, right? Um, And it sounds like it's, or maybe I'm thinking- you know, in the wrong way here, correct me if I'm wrong, but 
it's in the individual therapy that you do the work on yourself that hopefully your therapist holds the mirror up to you and you can see, oh, I need to, you know, work on this area or that area or what have you, so that you do, you grow from whatever mm-hmm. the experience was. Even if it was a horrible experience, you learn from it and you grow. And if you don't do that work, you're much more likely to repeat the same mistakes again and again. So mm-hmm. it sounds like that even if you are going to couples therapy or marriage coaching, whichever you choose, that individual therapy on top of that is also a good idea. So I'm torn on that, right? I think it, I think it can be, yes, but a lot of times I might recommend actually that people, if I'm working with a couple that people don't, because here's my been my experience of that. Um some people will use individual therapy, like we've talked about before, unless, of course, the person, the people that are doing the individual work are truly um, have some self-awareness and are committed to wanting the relationship to work. Sometimes the individual therapy can actually work against the couple because, well, I'll tell you, because when you go to individual therapy, like you are the client, mm-hmm. not the relationship, right? And if you have a therapist that doesn't have kind of a, re- a relational approach, then they are kind of just seeing that person in kind of their silo, right? Just uh-huh. what they're bringing to the therapist. And so naturally the therapist is going to be supportive of that person. And sometimes what can happen is the person takes that, brings that back to the relationship and says, well, my therapist told me that, you know, and of course we all interpret things differently. So this person might come out and say, well, my therapist told me like, I should just leave the relationship or what you're doing is, is not okay. Right. And so using that as sort of a weapon against the relationship, not always, but I have definitely had that experience. Yeah. So fascinating. That is so interesting. So, you know, there may be what I hear you saying is there may be times when you just if if you're really committed to saving the marriage, that that becomes your focus and that but that if the marriage ends, there's no harm or the, the or the bump in the road ends and the, the marriage stays intact. There's also no harm in doing the individual work on yourself so yeah. that you grow in the process. Right. A hundred percent. And I think, again, that comes down to. The mindset piece too. If you're going, if you're somebody that's been in therapy before and you understand how it works and you're really truly going to say, hey, help me be a better partner. Here's where I know maybe I I can't see my blind spots and I need you to help me versus somebody perhaps that has never been to therapy and really just uses that as a place to get validation for their story. Right. Then we bring that back and say, well, yep, it's not going to work. Like I went to my therapist and she told me X, Y and Z and, you know, and not to no fault of the therapist. Again, like that person is the client. Right. Right. And I even when I'm working with um, women individually, because I do do this work, you know, with women and I do it with couples, I'm always holding a relational perspective. Always. Right. So I want to know, what would your partner say about you if he was sitting in the room or she was sitting in the room, right? So it kind of brings that in. So they have to think for a moment about 
How, how, am I, how do they perceive me? What is my impact in the relationship? hundred percent. And that, I mean, that makes so much sense. So it seems like there's a, a big difference between the people who want to do the work on their self and they're self-aware and they're bringing that to the relationship versus, and I see this all the time, the person who wants to simply blame the other spouse, make mm-hmm. everything his or her fault, you know, whoever their spouse is, and they don't learn from that or grow. And that makes it also very, very difficult not only to save the marriage, but to get a divorce because they keep expecting the other person to change. Yeah. Yeah. And that doesn't work real well. No, it definitely doesn't work. And which is one of the reasons that I've gotten very clear about who I work with, because there have been times where I may have, you know, brought in a client or an individual where it's, they don't have that level of awareness and they're not interested in sort of that perspective shift in that uh, personal growth. And it gets really difficult to kind of drag somebody along. And that's not what I do. And that's not what coaching is about either. So speaking of coaching, I want to just touch on another difference between coaching and counseling. It comes up in my practice all the time as well, because therapy can be covered by insurance. Coaching is not covered by insurance. So a lot of people, a lot of times people will say, well, I'm just going to go to a counselor because it's covered by insurance. What are your thoughts about that? So, yeah, I have a few thoughts about that. I'm absolutely like, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with therapy. I mean, I practiced as a therapist for, you know, 15 years. And uh, if somebody truly wants to go there, I'm going to help them find the right match, right? I, I, I want them to find, I truly want them to find a therapist that's going to help them with their marriage if that's what they want, right? And so nothing, no shade on them. And I think when it comes to coaching, uh, at least from my experience in, in my practice, I have a very small number of clients at a time because I want to give my full attention to the people that I'm working with. I also make myself available between sessions. And so if you're a therapist and you're seeing 30 clients a week, and this is what this is what the mental health system has become. And now I know for myself, I've invested in a lot of my own coaching and I know that I get the, the, the support and the individualized attention. I don't feel like therapists have the capacity to do that because they are so overwhelmed with their client caseload. That makes, that makes total sense. So, mm-hmm. you know, I know that sometimes it sounds like what you're saying without saying it too, is you get what you pay for. And I know from my own experience too, there's, and it, right, wrong, or indifferent, we're all dealing with the same human psyche, right? Mm -hmm. And if you've paid for something, you tend to work harder at it, you value it more. Um, And I mean, it sounds terrible. It's like, well, of course you value the marriage counseling, you want it to work and blah, blah, blah. But people care more if they've bought in. That's been my experience. And it looks like you would agree with that. A hundred percent. I know a, a coach used to say to me all the time, when you pay, you pay attention. And I, like I that. think that is so, so true, right? Yeah. If you've invested financially, 
then you are, you're, you're serious about it. And that's what I love about the clients that are attracted to me is because they are serious about it. They're committed to the work. They're doing the work in between sessions. They're not just, you know, when you're not investing anything, nothing financially, you're just like, yeah, if I make it, I, I make it. If I do the work, I do the work. If I don't, I don't. There's definitely a less committed attitude in my experience. And so um, I love that. I know the people that are coming to work with me are really ready to do that, to do that work. That is awesome. But, you know, I, I expect that even though it sounds like you've got a much more focused plan and process for couples to follow, there are going to be couples where the relationship just doesn't work, right? And they're trying mm-hmm. to decide what to do, or the relationship is on the fence, as they say. And the couples are trying to figure out, do I stay married? Do I get a divorce? And I know that that's a question that you must help them with. What kind of decision-making process do you use to help your clients make those kinds of decisions? Mm -hmm. Well, if somebody comes to me and they're uncertain, right? And usually it's because things feel so painful, right? They've probably been repeating the same patterns for so many years. And often the issues that they're dealing with are not deal breaker issues, but they've caused each other so much pain over the years and they don't know how to fix it. They don't know how to get out of these patterns that they feel like the only solution is divorce. So what I will say to a couple that's come to me and say it and like throwing their hands up, like we've got to, something has to change or we can't do this anymore. Then what I'm going to say is put divorce off the table for six months and do some work. Because a lot of times the people that are are even at that decision-making process in that decision haven't done any work, right? They maybe have tried to change things on their own. They've waited, hoped it would get better, read the book, done the podcast, but haven't actually done the work. So I say, take the divorce decision off the table for six months. Let's do this work together. And then you can decide after that, because with that threat of divorce hanging over your head, it's really hard to feel safe in the relationship and and do the work. True. But what happens, and you, um, you alluded to this before, like you have the partner who says, okay, I'm going to go with you. I'll go to marriage counseling or marriage coaching or whatever you want to do, but they're leaning out. They're really not a hundred percent committed. Right. So in that, in that situation, is there any hope that that person can, you can bring that person around or their spouse can bring that person around to where they're actually doing the work? You know, I think that's a a tricky one because I often will screen people at the beginning before I even take them in, because if somebody is so leaning out, I've done some discernment work in the past. I think it's really hard to pull people back around, right? If they've really, really decided. So I will often screen for that before I bring people into into work with me, because I want to work with couples that are like, know that they want to try and make it work. Um, yeah. In my experience, if somebody has already is leaning that far out, I think it's 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 not easy to bring them back around. Right. Yeah. And sometimes that might be they've already, you know, they're interested in somebody else outside the relationship, right? They think that's gonna be the answer. Um, or it's just been so many years of such pain, painful 
stuff that they just can't move past it. And, and in that case, I get it. Like I'm, I'm not going to um, work really hard for a relationship that the other person's already decided they're out of. Yeah. You that know, makes sense. That, that makes total sense. And it's interesting because among divorce lawyers, I mean, sometimes we work, especially in the alternative dispute resolution space, where you're talking mediation, collaborative divorce, and we're working, the professionals are working so hard to get the couple to make agreements, to get them across the finish line. And, you know, we have a saying among the professionals, we, we kind of joke that, you know, we shouldn't be working harder at this than the couple themselves. Right. Absolutely. So it it sounds like it's the same thing on the other side of the fence as well, that you don't want to be doing all the work when there's no hope of actually saving the relationship. And and it took me a while to get there. Right. Because I've been doing this work a long time. And so there were times in my practice, probably when I was uh, working as a therapist, where I was working with couples who I was definitely working way harder than them. And so you learn, right? And you evolve and you grow and and then you have different, um, I guess, standards, if you will, in place where it's like, I'm really going to screen for the people that I I really want to work with. A hundred percent. And that makes, it makes total sense. And I do the same because you can't, you can't help everybody. And, Mm -hmm. you know, so to, to pick, to choose the people who are in the lane where you work. And it sounds like you really want to work with people who want to save their marriage. They want to work on it. They want to try. Um, that makes total sense that you would screen them. And those people who aren't there, you say, that's cool. Totally yeah. fine. But I'm not the person for you. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So just to, to sort of throw you a curveball here, you know, it, it sounds like in what, the work that you do, you help people make decisions, you help them, you give them tools to help work on their marriage. What, what tools do you use when you're facing a difficult decision of whatever sort, you know, what tools do you have in your toolbox that you would use to start making that decision? Is there a specific process that you go through with yourself or your clients? Is there, what do you use to help make those kinds of big decisions? So like just big decisions in my own life? Yeah. In general. Mm -hmm. So it's so funny you ask that because I've always been the kind of person that's like, oh, I'm not good at decisions. So (laughs) I've got, I've gotten better uh, with time because I think making good decisions is about self-trust and so part of the reason that I was, I would waffle on decisions is because I didn't trust myself enough. Right. Sure. And so as I've evolved and grown and done a lot of my own uh, personal work, I have come to trust myself much more. And so decisions naturally become easier. And so when I'm working with a couple, I or even, you know, a woman, a couple, that's really what I want to empower them to do is to really trust themselves, right? Because when we trust ourselves, like everything becomes so much easier and certainly decisions do. That is beautiful. And I've never heard it put that way in the context of self-trust before, but that makes complete sense. And one of the things that I hear people, my clients say, especially once the divorce is over and now they're trying to move on and create a new life, So many times they say, they question, 
how can I trust myself? I chose this person. I thought I was making the right decision or I, I made the best decision I could at the time. How can I ever date again? Because how can mm-hmm. I trust my picker, so to speak? You know, mm-hmm. I think my picker is off. What would you say to people who that's the the space, yeah. the headspace they're in? Well, I think you said it there. You said they say it was the best decision at the time. And I think that's true. It was the best decision at the time. And then at some point in time, it became not the right relationship, right? So I'd imagine when you're fresh on this path of divorce and fresh out of out of a, a marriage that there is going to be a lack of trust and a questioning. But I don't think that because the marriage didn't work out doesn't mean that you made the wrong decision. And I, right. So that again, isn't like another mindset shift. You can say, Oh, I must've been off. There must've been something wrong with my decision. Or I just think people evolve, people grow, people change and want something different. Mm -hmm. And so if you work on your mindset around that, like, okay, I decided to get uh, married. That was the best decision at the time. Mm -hmm. I also decided to get divorced that was the best best decision for me at that time, right? And really yeah. leaning into trusting that you are making the right decisions for yourself. That That's amazing. And it, it's so, it seems like we've come full circle and it comes down to, in so many instances, mindset. How are you looking at this? And also it sounds like you know, you're saying to for people, not exactly in these words, but to give themselves a little grace. You know, if you made the best decision you could at that time, don't yeah. beat yourself up now when you have the benefit of hindsight or things have changed. People don't stay the same all the time, right? right, right. And the person you're married to now may be a very different person from the one you said I do to mm-hmm. X number of years yeah. ago. And you may be a very different person too, because that sometimes happens like one person evolves in a different way. Maybe the other person stays the same and then it just doesn't feel like like a a great match. But for sure, this idea of giving yourselves grace and compassion and just allowing things to be what they are without judgment. Yeah. It's so hard, but it's, it's, it's the best gift that you can give yourself. Yeah, that is beautiful. So one more putting you on the spot question. What do you think either personally or professionally doesn't matter? What's the best decision you've ever made? Oh boy. Um, Okay. Well, I'll go with the first thing that just popped into my mind was starting my own business, which I did back in, in, 2007. Wow. Why? Because I, and sometimes I'll stop and I'll think about this. I'll tell you, I was talking with a friend of mine the other day and we were talking about how fast the weeks go by. And um, she said, yeah, something about, yeah, just waiting for Friday. And I said, you know what? I don't feel like that. I don't feel like I'm waiting for Friday. Like I'm waiting for the weekend. Why? Because I, I get to make my own schedule. I have time freedom, which is just the most important thing to me. I have so much time freedom and there's nothing like that. And so, no, I'm not desperate for the weekend. Every day feels amazing. I mean, sure, I have my ups and downs. I have my down days, whatever. But 
you know, I, I look forward to the days. I look forward to what I'm doing. It's not a grind. I'm not like punching a clock. So it's like, that truly is working for myself is best decision I've ever made. That that's fabulous. And I second that. I mean, I, I have been working for myself for more decades than I can even think at this point. Mm -hmm. Um, And it is, I don't, I don't like people say, oh, I can't wait till Friday. I can't wait till the weekend. I'm a hundred percent with you. It's like, I love what I do and I do it on my terms and my way. And because of that, I work like people get, you know, sometimes they'll say, oh, you work so much you do, but to me, it's not work. Yes. 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 When you do what you love, it's not work. So exactly. I think that's a great way to wrap this up. But before we do, where can people find you? Yeah. So my website, which is www.mymarriageworks.com. So that's my website. Um, I also have a presence on Facebook. I also have um, a Facebook group for women, which is empowering women in marriage. Uh, If anybody wants to check that out, I do trainings in there, offer lots of value and um, have some freebies too that you can opt in for. That sounds wonderful. I would definitely recommend to everybody listening that they go check out your site. If they're on the fence about their marriage, um, you can definitely help them. And just one more thing um, I was thinking, because I know you're a licensed therapist in Maryland. Massachusetts. Massachusetts. I knew it was one of the M states. So Massachusetts, um, but as a coach, are you limited to Massachusetts or can you work with people everywhere? No, as a coach, I can work with people anywhere around the country, outside the country, anywhere I want, which also is, you know, an added benefit of not kind of practicing under my license. It gives me a lot more opportunity to work with people around the country. That sounds awesome. So no matter where you are, Um, In the country or in the world, if your marriage is on the rocks and you really want to save it, highly recommend that you look up Denise. Um, Her work is amazing. So Denise, thank you again for being here. And I think we're going to have to, I mean, this was such a great conversation. I am definitely going to have to have you on for a follow-up session later on. Absolutely. Thank you. If you've enjoyed today's talk, don't forget to like and subscribe to this channel. I'm Karen Covey, and I look forward to being with you on the next episode of Off the Fence.